Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Melissa Dela Cruz, the author of several series for teens and adults, including Blue Bloods, The Witches of East End, The Ashleys, and many other books. This spring, she begins a brand new series beginning with The Ring and the Crown. The book will be published in April by Hyperion, which is sponsoring this podcast. The Ring and the Crown is set in the early 20th century, but in a world where history has taken a very different turn. Princess Maria Victoria is heir to the Franco-English Empire, which for 500 years has held wide holdings across the globe. At age 150, Marie Victoria's mother is nearing the end of her reign, and when Marie Victoria becomes engaged to the Crown Prince of Prussia, she turns to her longtime friend, Aylwin, herself a powerful magician, for help. Melissa, thanks for speaking with me. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So, you know, I feel like uh, creating alternate Earths, uh, whether it was in your Blue Blood series or your new post-apocalyptic novel, Frozen, has kind of been a big part of your books uh, to date. Uh, Does thinking and writing about other ways that history might have unfolded uh, feel like something of a sweet spot for you? Yeah, no, it turns out uh, I'm a history junkie. (laughs) And it's funny uh, because I majored in uh, art history and English in college. But uh, as uh, I've written my books, you know, I'm always kind of interested in like, well, what what would have happened if something else happened? And uh, one thing that I was really interested in with The Ring and the Crown was the fact that the British only recently uh, gave up uh, their claim to France. You know, for, you know, hundreds of years, they thought that that was their, that was part of their kingdom. It should have been theirs. And, uh, you know, in the um, 15th century, uh, during the war uh, with, uh, with Joan of Arc, you know, that was kind of like a defining moment where the French, you know, crushed uh, the British claim. And you kind of like definitively said, you know, (laughs) you are not getting this country. So I thought, well, what would have happened if the British won, you know, if Henry uh, II had won, you know, we would have a Franco-British empire right now. So I thought that was really fascinating. Hmm. So would you say that was pretty much one of the starting points uh, for the Ring and the Crown then? Definitely. I thought that, you know, another thing that would be kind of fun was, you know, if, you know, America had, you know, had lost uh, the uh, the war for uh, independence, you know, that was another kind of fun twist that I thought. But then, you know, as I did research, I thought, well, you know, that's kind of, it's a little obvious, you know, that's something that, you know, I mean, we're American, we know our history, like I wanted to go kind of back even further. So. Hmm. And then how did you get from that time period thinking, you know, what if the English had, had won to the early 20th century? How did, um, how did you know, or how and when did you know that you wanted uh, the new series to sort of be set in these early years of the 20th century? Yeah, no, I wanted, I didn't want to write um, a medieval uh, book, you know, I wanted to write something that was kind of modern, that was like a little bit of, you know, kind of like the Great Gatsby inspired, where, uh, you know, it's a story that's set in the 1920s, but there's, there's got a lot of rap music, and it's really fun. So I wanted it to be, you know, kind of resonant with teens today, you know, because these teens, even though they live, you know, kind of in the early, in you know, uh, 20th century of an alternate past, they still have the same kind of problems. They still want to go to balls. They want to have boyfriends, you know, so it Mm -hmm. it was kind of fun to do that. And uh, what about the role that magic uh, plays in this alternate world? How, How did that sort of develop as the story came together? 
I wanted to write uh, about, you know, kind of powerful women. And for me, that always kind of, you know, kind of lends itself to fantasy, to magic. And I'd always wanted to write um, an Avalon book. You know, I'd always wanted to kind of work with that mythology. And I, I've always loved that story. I've gone back to it a lot. And The Mists of Avalon is one of my favorite books, not just, you know, the kind of traditional uh, Arthurian legend. So I wanted it to kind of touch base. I wanted to have the magic have a foundation in in a, in a myth that we all kind of knew. So uh, that was another uh, way to kind of bring that in. Well, you, you mentioned um, strong women, and that's sort of uh, maybe a good lead into my next question, which, you know, for some listeners who may be hearing about this book and this series for the first time, could you talk a little bit about the two girls who are at its center, uh, Marie Victoria and Elwyn? Yes, they grow up together in the palace, and uh, Marie Victoria is the princess, and you know, and it comes with a lot of privilege. And but you know, she's kind of like the poor little rich girl where she has everything and nothing. Um, you know, her mom is really distant. Her life is really hard. She was born with a lot of um, kind of physical uh, ailments, where uh, she had to wear a helmet on her head, she had to wear a back brace. You know, she was always kind of sickly. So even though she was a princess. Princess, you know, she wasn't your traditional kind of fairy tale princess. You know, she kind of had a difficult life. And Aylwin is her best friend, and she is the bastard daughter of the Merlin. Uh, and the Merlin is kind of more of a, a title than, you know, kind of the Merlin from Arthur's. I wanted to do a little twist on that. So she has no place in the palace because she's, uh, she's a bastard, and she's kind of just this orphan girl from the kitchens. And they kind of have a really strong, develop a really strong friendship because they both... Uh, uh, have these kind of frightening parents, you know, who kind of don't really care about them or are not really hands-on, <laughs> let's say. So they develop a little family between each other, but then something terrible happens and Aylwin uh, is sent away. And the story opens when she comes back. And she comes back, she's been trained in Avalon, she's a powerful sorceress, and Marie Victoria has uh, desires of her own. You know, Marie Victoria decides she doesn't want to be a princess. Aylwin wants more than anything to be a princess, so perhaps something can happen there. Hmm. Even though, as you said, this story isn't taking place in our world exactly, uh, did you find yourself doing some research into the sort of the time period in which it's set, either through books and film, to sort of inform the world that you were creating? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, because I wanted to set it in London, but I didn't want it to be, you know, I didn't want to do Buckingham Palace. You know, I didn't want it to be something that people are like, oh, well, that's so silly. So, you know, I did some research about, you know, the Palace of St. James. So I set it in a palace that the royal family, uh, you know, it's still the court of St. James, but it's not the one that, you know, people think about when they think of the British royal family. So it was kind of fun to kind of do that. So it is a London that's kind of based on our own, but a little bit different. Back in August, uh, Publishers Weekly spoke with you and your husband, Michael, about uh, your new book, Frozen, uh, which the two of you co-wrote. And in the interview, you both spoke about uh, sort of behind-the-scenes work with you on your Blue Blood series and some of uh, your other books. Um, I was curious, was he also there sort of helping out with this one, you know, troubleshooting and bouncing ideas around with you? You know, it's really funny. I think we'd worked together way too much. And we both kind of, after doing Frozen, kind of retreated to our corners and worked on our separate <laughs> fantasy epics and mm -hmm. so so he you know uh mike you know always reads the outline kind of always um you know comments on the first draft but i i have to say it was a uh, we were a little bit more separate in these two new projects that we're doing <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, well, you know, you, you just uh, mentioned this, this sort of in terms of a, a fantasy epic. Uh, mm-hmm. do, you, do you have a sense of uh, the scope of what it's going to be or maybe how many books the stories might take place over? You know, I don't really uh, right now because I also wanted to do something a little different where it's not this big arc where, you know, I have a book one, book two, book three. It's a very much more of a serial uh, and uh, and. Uh, and I kind of had the same idea for Witches of East End, too, where I just kind of wanted to, you know, if I felt like writing a sequel, I would write one. So there's definitely going to be at least one more book. But um, more than that, you know, I, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to be going out on the road uh, this spring for The Ring and Crown. Is that uh, correct? Yes. Yes, I will be at the 92nd Street Y in New York, uh, actually launching it there. Yeah. Excellent. You know, what has your experience been like over the years of uh, meeting your fans around the country, you know, as a writer? And I noticed you, on your site, you do have a very, uh, a pretty extensive Q&A section or FAQ section, I guess. <laughs> uh, are, are, are you sort of inundated with uh, questions about the ins and the outs of uh, the various worlds you've created in your different series? Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, and it's great to hear from them, you know, and I've been writing for teens for a long time. So and a lot of people come back. So I've seen people grow up which is really kind of, you know, strange and fascinating. And it's like, you know, because you always feel like you're the same age, but then, you know, this kid that was 15 when they started reading your books is now 23. And it's kind of amazing um, to see that development and to be that close to people. I mean, I definitely recognize, you know, a lot of fans. Like if I'm going to be in Dallas, I know who's going to be there. If I'm going to be in LA, you know, there are certain people who come every time and it's kind of, kind of wonderful. It's kind of like a extended family a little bit. And, you know, they're very, very, very loyal when you write a series, you know, over um, seven, eight years like Blue Bloods and, you know, the people who are sticking around for those last books. I mean, they are just, you know, they are almost like family. So it's really wonderful and and it's fun to see, but it's also fun with new series to see new um, readers. You know, after a while, um, I was starting to miss the 13-year-olds, you know, starting to miss the eighth graders and the freshmen who would come to the, the events. You know, it was suddenly like, a lot of adults, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of grown-ups. So it, with Frozen, Mike and I did a lot of um, middle school uh, events, and we had a lot of, you know, 11, 12-year-olds. So it was nice to reconnect with the kids. Hmm. And, uh, you know, speaking of Blue Bloods, I think it was just about a year ago that um, you came out with the, the final of the seven books in that series. Um, yes. What was it like uh, saying goodbye to that that original series after so many books and quite a few years? Yeah, it was kind of traumatic <laughs> at first, you know. It was it was such a huge part of my life. So when I wrote the book, it was really really difficult um just to let go. But you know, because they're due so much earlier, you know, I'd kind of said my goodbyes, you know, two years ago. So by the time I went on tour and the book actually came out, I felt very much at peace with it. And uh, and also because um, uh, Hyperion picked up the adult spinoff, so I felt like, well, it's not really a goodbye. I get to, you know, kind of write about the characters again. So that was kind of consoling. Mm-hmm. And there have been some other spinoff projects too, right? Uh, some mm-hmm. novellas. And is, is the um, the series you just mentioned, they're, they're the adult one, the sort of um, mm-hmm. second Blue Blood series that you've referenced a couple times before? Yes, that okay. is the second Blue Blood series called Vampires of Manhattan. Okay. Yep. And they're older. Uh, they're back in New York, but it's a new mythology. So there's a kind of really fun twist in it um, and a couple of new characters. But we have, uh, you know, I started writing it and I thought, oh, it's just so nice to be back home. <laughs> So, 
partly answers, but at least leads into my next question, which was, you know, the degree to which um, you're splitting your time in terms of, you know, you know, on one hand, this next series will be for adults, but then you were also talking about missing, um, getting back to some of the, uh, the sort of early teenagers and that sort of thing. Um, do you find that uh, you're still very interested in writing for, for both audiences um, pretty heavily? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, I think uh, when I wrote Witches of East End, I realized that I really love, I mean, as much as I enjoy that series, I really love writing for children. I love writing for teenagers. I love writing YA. And, you know, I think, you know, when, you know, you're young and you want to be an author, like there's always this feeling like, oh, I'm going to write, you know, my big adult book, my grown up, you know, adult hardcover. So that kind of, um, that satisfied that desire, but it also kind of cemented, you know, my love for YA. And I just realized that, you know, I am where I, you know, want and need to be. And, uh, and so the adult thing is more of a sideline for me. Like I really, I love writing for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you ever, do you ever see yourself uh, maybe dipping down to a younger audience, maybe doing something uh, middle grade or anything like that? <laughs> you know, I would love to. And, and uh, I think I've tried, but the characters start doing inappropriate things. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm squarely in that 13 to 17, you know, <laughs> I don't think I've really aged past that. And <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. think I really, you know, I'm not much interested in eight year olds. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. um, going back to your, some of your adult stuff for a minute, uh, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, TV series based on Witches of East End, I think debuted uh, on Lifetime mm-hmm. earlier this year. Um, what's it been like seeing your, your characters make that sort of a jump? And what's the response been like among your fans? It's been amazing. It's been really fun. It, it was a little surreal. I mean, it's always something, you know, I, I think I consider myself really lucky uh, that I like their adaptation. I like their vision for my book. Um, and it's, you know, it's definitely different from my original vision of the characters in my head. But when I saw, you know, the actresses and they were such a family, they looked alike. They, you know, they looked like sisters. Julia Armand looked like their mom. Um, and they're just such great actors. Like the whole cast is amazing. And uh, the network has been great. Um, and, you know, you really do feel kind of like a godmother, you know, because it's your baby, but it's a different um you know, it's just been transformed. So I feel really lucky because I don't take all the credit or all the blame, you know, it's just, and I really love the show and the fans love the show. Um, You know, there's always going to be, oh, this is a little different from the, it's funny. You just get the range of reactions from people who think it's way too much like the book and people who think that it's not like the book at all. And, you know, people who love the book and, you know, don't like the show very much or love the show and, you know, couldn't care less about the book. So, you know, you just kind of, you know, you can't please anybody, and I, I'm definitely, I'm really happy with the show. I think it's uh, it's really fun. It's really the spirit of what I wanted to do, uh, which was create a story about a family, about sisters, their mom, you know, this kind of romantic, you know, age-old love triangle, and uh, I don't know, I just, I, I really enjoy it. It's a hoot. <laughs> hmm. And, uh, you know, as far as, you know, your day-to-day um, work, do you, are you, do you find you're just writing pretty much full time? Is that your? Is that how you sort of spend your days at this point? You know, it's just. Uh, <laughs> I think writers, you know, like to let everybody think that you know we we slave away and we're you know nose to the grindstone. But uh, in a way, it's like the easiest thing you can do, and some and sometimes it's the hardest. But. Um, you know, I, I don't really work like that. I don't think anybody does. I work in bursts. 
Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like binge writing. Like I can write like really fast and get a lot of work done in a short period of time. Um, or sometimes it's just like, you know, molasses. So I try to get to the, you know, to the point of writing where, um, where it is really easy and I can get a lot of work done, you know, in a couple of hours during the day. So I do try to work, uh, I would say at least four hours a day um, when nothing is due. But when something is due, then that is when, you know, that those kinds of 16-hour days kick in. Mm-hmm. So either I work four hours a day or 18. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is on a different uh, tangent, I guess. But um, you were born in the Philippines, and, you know, I know that you've lived in the U.S. for decades. But I was curious if you found that your, your experience of, of coming to the States during your own adolescence uh, informs your writing at all, especially when you're writing for, for teenagers. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, I, I, and I think that's why I kind of fascinated by American history, um, because we didn't really learn it, you know, in Manila. So like, I don't, I still don't, I don't know the Pledge of Allegiance. I have to read it on the board when we go to school, (laughs) my daughter's school, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just became an American citizen this year. Um, but I love them, but I've always felt American for years and years. It just took so long to kind of get those legal issues done. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's why I think I love writing about outsiders, you know, and, and in a way, a lot of my characters really are immigrants. Like they never feel like part of, you know, the mainstream. So, Mm -hmm. Are there other uh, books and projects that your either your young adult fans or your adult fans uh, should be on the lookout for in the coming uh, months? Uh, let's see. So, The Ring and the Crown is coming out in April. Uh, Vampires of Manhattan, the adult Bluebud spinoff, comes out in September. Uh, Stolen, book two in the uh, Heart of Dread series, uh, which is a sequel to Frozen, also comes out next fall. And I think that's it. Oh, The Ashleys is getting repackaged this oh. summer. So, it's going to be called The Ashley Project from Simon Schuster. So, that's kind of exciting. Wonderful. Well, uh, congratulations again on uh, Ring in the Crown, and uh, thanks for making time to speak with me. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, once again, I've been speaking with Melissa Dela Cruz, whose new book is The Ring in the Crown, out in April from Hyperion. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. 